recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge high atop the Donald Blake building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic... Invaders from Mars. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the old podcast. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Rob. And tonight we're going to be talking about Invaders from Mars, the original 1953 sci-fi classic. But first, what prompted us to talk about this one this time is we just got back from working and attending, mainly working. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we attended much. No, we were there. The Williamsburg Nostalgia Fest in Williamsburg, Virginia. And it was a blast. If you get a chance, go to the Williamsburg Nostalgia Fest Facebook page or the Williamsburg Nostalgia Fest website, and you can see pictures and read about what went on and see what it's all about. I'll try to tell you briefly. Yes. <laughs> it's exactly what it said. It's a convention, a three-day event devoted to nostalgia from the, you know, the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And they have celebrity guests signing autographs. They show films. There's interview panels. And a, a dealer's room with all kinds of cool vintage merchandise, which I came home with some. And it was just a blast. It's a really, uh, and it's one of the most laid back conventions you'll ever go to. It is. It's the, a smaller convention. Yeah, and the celebrities are so accessible. It's not like, you know, you have to wait in line and they have this, well, except for Bob Fuller's line. That's a whole separate <laughs> thing entirely. His whole fan club was there. It was nuts. But everybody else is just, it's really cool. We've been going to it and, and helping put it on for a number of years now my dad actually well this um, is only its actual second well, yeah year. It, it, it started out as the Williamsburg Classic Film Festival devoted mostly to old-time western stuff and that was 22 years ago yeah and, and that went on for 20 years and then half the people involved in putting it on were getting older and it was getting too much for them so they decided they wanted to stop and my dad and a couple other people decided they didn't want to stop so they did have to dissolve the corporation because it was incorporated and start again, but it's basically the same festival, right? Just streamlined a little bit, yeah, and not devoted entirely to Western. Yes, yeah, so opened up to all was. nostalgia, you know, yeah. anything from that era. And oh man, this year, you know, they had Kent McCord from Adam Twelve and Patrick Wayne, Captain Sinbad, John Wayne's son, and almost all his movies. White McRae, Joel McRae's grandson. Uh, Dennis Holmes and uh, Bobby Crawford, who both were on Laramie, and Alex Cord, who was in tons of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the reason we're doing Invaders from Mars tonight, talking about that, is because also on the guest there was Jimmy Hunt, who was the little kid in Invaders from Mars. And right. you talk about couldn't be a nicer guy. Oh, he was wonderful. He was an amazing guy and just in incredibly happy to be there and mm -hmm. so thankful that people like, you know, remembered him and want to talk about this kind of stuff. And he he had done, I don't know, as a kid, done over 40 movies. Yeah. And um, it was in lots of stuff, but this is the one people always really remember. And we're going to hopefully find out why through through the podcast here. <laughs> but it was it was a great event and I, you know, urge anybody to go next year. Keep checking the Facebook page and the website for the date and the, and, the, and guests. the guests. Yeah, yeah, and, and we'll be sure to put pictures up on the uh, Phantasmo After Dark Facebook page of uh, Jimmy and Rob and and the little friend that Rob. Yeah, <laughs> I made, <laughs> made a little something to go on Jimmy's table to uh, for people to do photo ops with, and I'll post pictures of that on the 
Phantasmo After Dark Facebook and page. And he was thrilled with that. It was, oh, it was really cool. It. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool. We actually got to sit and watch the movie with him. Yeah, and, and he did a little interview at the people. beginning. Yeah, and he talked to people after and told everybody, you know, it was done. And he just, it was late, too. It started like 10, so it didn't get over till close to midnight. And he just stayed there talking and having a ball. Yeah, great. very, very gracious man. Very charming. Mm-hmm. So, on to the movie. Yes. Invaders from Mars. You know, they did do a remake. Of Toby Hooper actually did the remake in and the 80s. I did, I, we were going to watch that, and I did not get to watch that before this. So, I guess yeah. anything you want to say about the remake, you'll have to tell me because I didn't get well, to see it Well, I haven't yet. seen it in a long time since we showed it at Phantasmo yeah. many years ago. And I don't remember anything about it. I mean, yeah. I, I may have watched it then, Karen but I don't Black really was remember it. it. And Jimmy actually played the part of the police chief. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. But, you know, that doesn't even enter into what we're talking about here right, with this right. movie. So it, it really we wasn't We could do a, a compare and contrast, but it, why? We're just going to talk about this movie. No, know? I know. But, I mean, the, the remake was not really a, a worthy tribute at all. Well, yeah, it was okay. But it didn't have, the I guess, the heart this one does. Yeah, well, rarely And, of course, it was it was shot, it, you know, modern film, what, 80s modern, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the techniques of shooting and film and special oh, effects were a lot different and advanced since then so it's almost like apples and oranges the plot was the same gotcha and the story was pretty much the same for what i remember yeah except i think instead of the nurse befriending him it was a school teacher and the nurse became mind controlled okay i think that was in the remake gotcha uh but anyway in this movie 1953 like Mm -hmm. i said in color yes you know and it was one of the first big sci-fi movies of the 50s actually i think it was written in 50, 51, but didn't get shot till 52, came out in 53, something mm-hmm. like that. 77 minutes long, so not real long. So really 50 minutes of actual footage? <laughs> yeah. So much stock footage in this movie of the military, of tanks and army transports moving troops around and trying to go places and come back. The call goes out. We have to protect the you know different <laughs> defense plants and science you know buildings and stuff from the Martians. So that's an excuse to use the stock footage over and over again and different stock footage. It pads the hell out of the movie. I no really need to sit. Kidding. Yeah, I really need to sit down and watch it and time it and time it. How much stock footage is used and how much filmed footage is for the movie yeah. to see how long the movie would be without all that stock footage. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's not even just the stock footage of the military troop stuff moving because that's most of it. Yes, it is. But there's there's stock footage of the telescope opening up. Yeah, the observatory. The and, observatory and, 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 the and it moving turning, around. Yes, yeah. which I mean, now we see that all the time but then that was you know that's brand new technology that's really cool you know so i mean i get it there's a lot of reused footage yes you see the same thing over and over i don't know if you noticed another part when i was doing some uh research here Mm -hmm. the car chase Mm -hmm. they take a couple of shots of that and reverse it the negative yeah so when they're turning left then they're turning it right, but yep. it's the same background, same just one. flipped. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't notice it for the car chase, but I did notice it for some of the running scenes. Oh, yeah. And a lot sure. of the stuff when they're underground in the, in the spaceship, mm-hmm. when the Martians are running, you see the same shot over and over again, and then they'll flip it so it looks like there's it's more It's the negative footage. image. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed this movie, but there is a ton of reused scenes yeah. but, and you stock know, footage. And you know what? It, 
it I doesn't just, take you out of it. Though. No, it doesn't. Not at I all. commented on it every single time, but I enjoyed it every single time too. <laughs> a lot of it though. There's only a couple that really, I mean, that stand out. Yeah. Uh, it's like, ah, I just saw that shot. But some of the running stuff, it's like you don't really pay attention to it being stock unless you're kind of looking for it in a yeah. way. Because it's, it's action, it's movement. You know? Yeah, yeah. But those slow shots of them carrying the Martian, the intelligence head and setting it down. Yeah. And when they do that like twice, it's like, yeah. that's the same exact scene. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we jumped right into other stuff. We haven't given anything about the plot or the actors or anything. Should we back up a little bit? Well, we can. I mean, that's what we do here, you know. I know. We jump all around. I mean, All right, well, let's, yeah, we'll, we'll let's give some info. But, about the... Well, first off, okay. about the podcast that we do for anyone who hasn't listened before, and I'm this is stock footage I'm I'm doing to pad it out. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> no, really. If you haven't listened before, there's a lot of podcasts out there, tons and millions of podcasts out there, and there's some really good ones, and I listen to a few, and some you know kind of go down to give you all the information the facts and uh, about the film or whatever they're talking about. And it's almost like just reading the IMDb or the Wikipedia page, you know. Yeah, that's Give you us. every scrap of information. Typically what we do is we'll give you some interesting information, you know, a couple of things you can find there, maybe some other deep stuff we've researched. But mostly it's like we're just going to talk about what we watched and what we like about it and what we don't like about it. And any little personal interesting things like we met Jimmy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or if we thought something was uh, incredibly deep or incredibly shallow. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Basically, just our opinions. And everybody has one. So either, you know, you agree or you don't. Or maybe it makes you think about it in a different way. Or what's the best thing is if you haven't seen the movie we're talking about and anything we say makes you want to go, well, I might check that out. Yeah. Then, so, then that's the purpose served. So Basically, it's come along for the ride and see what we think. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, the plot of the movie is basically... This kid, David, I think is the character's yes. name. He's an astrology nut, and his dad's a scientist. His dad's actually an engineer. Oh, he's an engineer. Yes. What's well, a scientist, isn't it? <laughs> no. He says he's a scientist. No. His wife says he's an engineer. I thought she said he was a scientist. Well, later she corrects Because I made herself. the joke about science, remember? She corrects the police later and says she's an, he's an engineer. Oh, okay. Just she like makes you corrected the point me. of it, yes. Okay. <laughs> You just wanted to say scientist 15 times because of Lost Skeleton, didn't you? That's right. <laughs> yeah, I know. So anyway, he hears a noise and he wakes up and he looks through his telescope and he sees a light or something land over the hill in the sand pit right. out his back window. And he wakes his dad up. I don't know what it was, Dad. A spaceship or something. And his dad's like, well, we'll look at it in the morning. Go back to bed. And then his dad starts thinking about it. After he puts the kid to bed, he puts on his slippers and he goes out and looks at it because, you know, he's got to know. And he doesn't come back. And the next morning, the mom, wife, calls the police because the, the dad's missing and she can't find him. And the police go out to look for him and the, say, yeah, he must have gone out that way looking for that thing. And then the police don't come back. And then the dad comes back. <laughs> and something's wrong with him. He's acting like a total dick. Oh, yes. and well, to, to paint the picture, though, when, when the movie opens and the parents are going to bed and the kids looking through the telescope, it's like a Norman Rockwell painting. The parents yeah. are just... They're these just very sweet, loving parents, and the kid's this nice kid, and they're like, we're going to have breakfast in the morning, go to bed, son. And so that sets up why the contrast of the the father coming back and just acting like a total asshole. Yeah. He even slaps the kid at one point, and the kid doesn't cry, and he's just in shock that the dad hit him. Yeah. You know? So, and then the police come back a few minutes after the father did, and they're acting really weird. And so they leave. And it goes on that the kid's trying to tell... 
anybody, anybody. who will listen that people are falling into the sand pit and when they come out they've turned into something else they're they're different they yeah. act different and they've got these marks on the back of their neck yeah and nobody will listen so he finally goes to the police station and they they put him in a holding cell or a room and was a cell and while they call his, his parents to come get him and he doesn't want parents to come get him or his dad anyway and the one policeman, not the chief, because he sees the chief has got the thing on his neck, too. The chief goes away. The other policeman ends up calling a doctor mm-hmm. friend that he knows and says, hey, I think this kid's something's bothering him really bad. I've never, you know, He's really scared. So the doctor comes. It's a, a lady doctor. I can't remember her name. Her first name's Pat. Yeah. Anyway. And she comes and she starts to kind of believe something's going on. Yeah. And then she checks him out with her, her scientist friend, who was actually a friend of... Uh, David's family, yeah. yeah. And they go to the observatory, mm-hmm. and they talk, and he ends up convincing the that scientist guy that there's something happening out there involving UFOs or aliens, and so the scientist calls General Mayberry, his friend, and he convinces them that there's something going on. So the chain continues, but yeah. then General Mayberry gets turned, and anyway, you can see where this goes. Yeah, through a series of events, they end up, back by the sand pit and the military is trying to find exactly where underneath everything is. And the doctor and the kid get sucked down and into the sand pit and end up in the spaceship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then the military gets down there and shenanigans happen. Anyway, it ends with hallways made out of what I first yeah. thought were balloons. Okay. Now that's what, now we're going to start talking about the details, <laughs> the details. Yeah. The spaceship itself is, and like a lot of the scenes is very sparsely decorated. Yeah. There's not a lot of, it's a lot of blank walls and set pieces mm-hmm. like up close to the camera or towards the back or just mm-hmm. a few pieces in there. Yeah. Now this is information that we got from Jimmy. Yeah. Now the walls of the, the cave or part of the ship leading to those other rooms, there's some of the walls had these like it's like a bubble like texture all over them. It looks like kind of like balloons, like all bunched together. Mm-hmm. Turns out they're condoms because <laughs> they have a shimmery. Because when they said uh, something I was reading, so when they used actual balloons, mm-hmm. it looked like balloons. Yeah. It but, still looked like balloons. Yeah, but condoms are it's a thinner yeah. latex and they have more of a shimmery look to it than the balloons they could get at the time. Yeah. So they, it did they, have a shimmery look, but I it still looked they, like balloons. They may have painted them or something too. Yeah. But they were all over the wall, so it gave the wall more of kind of a, a bubbly look and not just like balloons, balloons. Sc- scattered in different yeah, places. Yeah. But back to what you were saying about the sets and what Jimmy said when he was introducing the movie yeah. about how the sets were really big and the oh, walls yeah. were vacant. Yeah, and, and the police stations, of the first time I think you see that. Yeah, I think so. Because the, the kid's home is the kid's home. It looks like it's decorated just like a home. But when he goes out and about and he gets to the police station... He walks through the door. The door is really tall. Mm-hmm. And there's a long hall going from the door to the, the sergeant's desk, which is really tall, mm-hmm. unusually tall. And the other doorway to the other room is really tall. But there's nothing on the walls. Right. And when he goes in, the, they put him in the cell. The cell kind of, the walls kind of go, and it's wide, but then it looks like it's smaller when it goes to the cot. And so does the ceiling. Yeah. Back to where he's sitting. And the, the shadow of the bars on the walls is almost like German Impressionist filmmaking, you right, know? Right, Like Caligari or something like that. Mm-hmm. And all that was done on purpose because the way the movie ends, the original ending, 
it's supposed to leave you thinking, was he dreaming this? Is it all a dream? And it's, and he's stuck in this nightmare and it's repeating itself again. Or was it a premonition he had the whole movie? And now it's because he, at the end of the movie, after they dispatch the, the Martians, right. It fades to him waking up in bed like he was dreaming. And here's a noise. He goes and looks out the window and he sees the saucer landing again. Right. Yeah. Well, now, he, he talks to his parents and his parents are there and they're fine. And they're like, Oh, you were dreaming. You were dreaming. And then he goes and sees the saucer yeah. landing again. Now, when it was released, I'm getting off topic of talking about the sets and stuff, but I'll come back to that. When it was released in the in the UK, they apparently did not like that ending and wanted more upbeat in it ending, so they requested the actors come back, and they got the doctor and the scientist and Jimmy to come back and film an alternate ending where it's a happy ending. Yeah, they're running away from the saucer after they planted the charges, and they look back and it blows up in the sky, and they're like, "Oh, we're everything's okay now." And then the doctor and the scientist put Jimmy in his bed and they say, well, your parents are going to be okay. You know, yeah. the surgery, they're fine. And that's the end. And there's also some, some extra footage they filmed to pad out. At the observatory. When they're at the observatory, mm-hmm. which is a long, a lot longer scene there. Mm-hmm. And if you can get a copy of both versions, it's kind of neat to see them because <laughs> they filmed the extra scenes months after, maybe almost a year after the, the original thing was filmed. So, Jimmy's a little bit older looking, mm-hmm. and he'd gotten a haircut. Yeah, and the doctor and the nurse, I think, each had their hair slightly different. Just a I mean, bit. the doctor and the scientist guy. Yeah, their hairs, hairs, hair is slightly <laughs> different each one. Yeah. Oh, and, and they put a like a sweater vest on, yeah, on, on Jimmy, which yeah, he doesn't yeah. have in the scene it's connected to. Yeah. So it disappears, and the it's like the wall in the observatory. Now all of a sudden, there's lots of pictures on the walls. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. It very the continuity was very strange on that. And there's more, but you can see that yourself when you watch it. But anyway, what I was saying, though, about the sets and all, it's really cool because with the the blank walls and those long hallways and the tall doors, in addition to making it more intimidating looking from the kid's point of view, which Mm -hmm. is part of the idea, it also gives it more of a, a, like, a quality that it is a dream happening. Right. Because it, when you, when you dream, you know, you remember specific things that are facing you're happening or you're participating in but all the peripheral stuff you kind don't of out of proportion yeah you don't usually th- remember all the like details Alice in wonderland of, stuff yeah kind of like that stuff like the other scene where the, it switches to the scientist in that lab they're supposed to be trying to protect mm-hmm. and it, he's up in the foreground at this bench with all these test tubes and beakers and stuff mixing something but there's behind him there's nothing except a, like a long hall yeah uh, and a door. military comes in the door. You know, that was the same set as the police station. Oh, was it? Same exact set, and they just redressed it for that. Hmm. And then there's that, there's that other scene where his parents, who are under the mind control, pull up in the car to go assassinate that guy. Mm-hmm. And painted on the parking lot in, on the other side of their car in huge letters, restricted, restricted area. Restricted area. You know, it's like in, in the Batcave, you know, Bat yeah. Computer. You know, right. there's a label on it. That's so you know that's where they're at. Yeah. And that's shorthand for the viewer. Right. Just to get the point across. But also, for the kid in a dream, it would be something probably that bold. Obvious. Obvious, you know. And that was well done. Now, this movie gets a bum rap from some people who have reviewed it, saying it's cheesy, bad sci-fi, and it's slow and all that. On the other hand, there's just as many people saying it's a friggin' masterpiece. And it depends on, I guess, how you view it. Yeah. What eyes you're looking through when you see it, you know. 
I mean, I didn't dislike the movie. I don't know that I'd say it's a masterpiece by any no, means. No, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of War of the Worlds. We both are. Yeah. You know, the original movie, yes. War of the Worlds. We love that to death. Right. It's a great piece of science fiction. That's a masterpiece. It's H.G. Wells. <laughs> you know, but the film itself, aside from the story, the film is, it's a good film. Right. This, the more I see it, the more I like it. Yeah. Because I, I'm looking looking at it with a different understanding than when I saw it when I was years ago, a teenager yeah. or whatever. The way it's shot, well, let's see, first off, the director is William Cameron Menzies, okay? He also directed Things to Come, which is H.G. Wells' story. Right. Which I need to see. I've never seen it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the art director on a one. It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. And The Silent Jekyll and Hyde with John Barrymore. Mm, okay. But he was also the production designer, which made the film, mm-hmm. okay, of Gone with the Wind. Oh, wow. Okay. And he was assistant director on Gone with the Wind. Okay. And he was a production designer on this movie, Invaders from Mars, in addition to being the director. Okay. So you can, now you can kind of see. I can see it, yeah. You know, and this thing is beautifully shot. There's oh, a yeah, lot there's of. There's some really interesting Interesting stuff in camera here. work they do, especially in the Martian ship to give you a sense of the size. Yeah, I really like the, the shots where Pat's on the, the. I don't know, whatever you call that operating oh, the bed table, or whatever, yeah. that table, uh-huh. and the drill is getting ready to go through. Yeah. And they're looking down through the tunnel thing at, through the yeah. top or whatever. Well, you know, there's another Some shot where they're really looking cool. down through that tube down to another floor or something. Yeah. And that was a matte painting down there like they did oh, with Obi-Wan okay. in Star Wars when he's on the nice. thing, you know? So yeah, it makes yeah. it look like there's a big distance. Yeah, that was um, good. And then some of the stuff with, um, you know, the scene where you can see the head... And oh, the Martian can, intelligence. The, yeah, Martian intelligence, and then you can see the, like the ramp behind him that's got that kind of see-through oh, yeah. paper stuff, yeah, and, and you can see the shadows. It. Those are awesome. I know that's really simple, and there's yeah, nothing to but it that, works. but it looks amazing. Yeah, it works great. Yeah, one of my favorite shots you see over and over again. After we talked about this before we started recording, is the shot of the hill going yeah. up to the sand pit. Yeah, well, it's a great set. It's a beautiful set. It's a beautifully framed shot. It's gorgeous. Just the and it's almost again, it's almost like a German expressionist mm-hmm. with the path twists and the fence kind of is crooked and twists going up the hill and the trees are just there's no leaves, they're just black, mm-hmm. you know, trunks. Yeah. And it looks like it's a matte painting. Yeah. It, it really, really does. does. Until you see somebody walk all the way up to the top. Yeah. And you're like, oh crap, that's real. Yeah. Well, you when know? I first saw Jimmy, uh, well, David look out the window. And he's looking beyond, you know, yeah. the telescope or whatever. And he's looking to the sky. You can see the hill and everything. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, oh, that's that's a mat. Yeah. It's a mat painting. I thought the whole thing was oh, yeah. a mat painting. And then it's later not. on, they have Jeeps up closer to it. And yeah. they're up at that end of it. And you can see that it's not. But I did. Yeah. I thought that was a mat painting, but it's not. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah, and, score, and they keep coming back to that shot a lot. Mm-hmm. Which, by you know, rights they should, because it's beautiful. It's a yeah. great shot. It is. Overall, the acting in it is is solid. There's nobody that's stiff. Jimmy's a little kid playing a little kid, but Mm -hmm. he's been in a ton of movies before this, so he's seasoned professional by this point. Yeah, yeah. I really liked the the doctor. She was really good. Oh yeah, she was she was solid. I don't even know who she is. Yeah, I cannot remember. Has she done anything else? Do you know? Uh, I'm sure she did. I'm sure she did, but she didn't stand out to me as a couple of the other people I'm going to mention just because I've seen them in tons of things. Yeah. She didn't stand out as like being amazing, but she just felt really normal. Yeah, you know? she was a good, solid character. Yeah, yeah. And she played it well. Some of the other people in the movie, though, Milburn Stone, 
who was Doc on Gunsmoke. Oh, right. He was the police captain, I think, mm-hmm. or something. Um, Barbara Billingsley. Mm-hmm. Ms. Uh, June Cleaver had just a, a couple, two little, lines. Yeah, a tiny little piece. Yeah, a small part, but you're like, hey, it's June Cleaver. <laughs> Robert Shane, who was the scientist that they were going to assassinate, he was the police inspector on the Superman show. Right. The George Reeves Superman show. You blinked, you missed him. Richard Deacon, Mel Cooley, mm. was one of the MPs. Almost unrecognizable. Wow. One, because the other guy with him looked taller than he was, and he's always the tallest guy in the room. You know? mm-hmm. And the police captain in, in the station, Bert Freed, he was the, the asshole bad guy in Billy Jack. Okay. He's the guy that Billy Jack says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this right foot, and I'm going to whop you on the left side of your face. <laughs> and you know what else? And I guess it's what? That's him. It's not a damn thing you can do about it. And he says, really? And Billy Jack says, really? And proves him right. (laughs) But he was that guy. Okay. Always plays a bad guy. Right. Martian intelligence, Mm -hmm. which is a creepy looking thing. It really is. Great effect. Yeah. And it's just this, it's this shoulders and head with a big head going back away from the skull. With this like. And then these tentacles behind it. And it's in a glass bubble. Right. And it's not much to it, but it's creepy as hell with those tentacles just moving slightly behind the head, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was actually played by uh, a midget. Okay. Uh, a little person, if you will. I'm not sure the pronunciation of her name. She was Hispanic, but it's L-U-C-E. I don't know, it's Luce or Luce or... Or Lucy. Yeah, or, yeah Potter. Okay. And you cannot tell that she's female okay. by this thing. Well, you can't um, tell male or female. No, no, because you just it's just her face with them, all this prosthetic stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. But she does have an interesting look to her face. Yeah, yeah. I see why they chose her, you know, because it's very strange. Uh-huh. She was... um a, Not strange in a bad way. No, no, no. Just... I mean, it's strange that it, that it, it fits in this and it's like... Because, you know, when they did the the Cage, the Menagerie episode of Star Trek. Yeah. And the Telosians, you know, you can tell one of them's a woman. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you know, when I first saw... That character, I didn't realize it was a woman, though. No, I didn't either. I mean, until I mean later, once you said it was a woman, I was like, okay, I can kind of see the features. Yeah, but even so, it it's dude, still you know? still a little um, ambiguous. Ambiguous, yeah. yeah. But she was also one of the original Oz Munchkins in Wizard oh, of Oz. Okay, and she's actually done lots of other things too, you know. But that is really a creepy looking. The, well, the whole thing of the movie is kind of told from the kid's point of view. Yeah. And both his parents get pretty much captured by the aliens and then turned. It's like mind mind control, controlled by yeah. the aliens to do stuff and turned on him. Yeah. And trying to get him captured. And then these creepy seven foot, eight foot tall mutants. <laughs> that's what they call them. The mutants. Mutants. The Martians, the big green fuzzy Martian guys. Mm-hmm. And then this head in a in a globe with tentacles. And it's all kind of the whole thing is mostly is at night. Right. Yeah. So it's creepy as hell. And I can see why back then seeing this for the first time as a kid, Mm -hmm. it would scare the hell out of you. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. You know, and I can, it it works on that level Mm -hmm. psychologically. One of the coolest things at the festival was, uh, you remember Dennis? Yeah. Okay. Dennis Holmes. He was in Laramie. He was the, one of the kids in Laramie. Yeah. With Bob Fuller. Uh, He was excited to meet Jimmy. Right. Because this this movie scared him as a kid. He said he wanted to be Jimmy when he was a kid. (laughs) <laughs> and you know to be that kid fighting the martians <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it was cool because every time there was nobody at his table 
uh-huh. he was over standing in front of Jimmy's table talking to him. That was really neat to see them kind of hit it off and yeah. him just, you know, having such a good time being a fan. Yeah. Dennis is you a know. good guy. He's really nice. He too. is cool. Yeah. He and his wife both. They're cool people. Another thing I'm talking about the special effects in this the ray gun. They, oh, they right, use, you right, know, right. The, like the heat ray, the heat thing. Martian yeah, heat ray. Know. Yeah. All Martians have heat rays. Apparently. I guess so. It's pretty hot on Mars. <laughs> anyway, but this thing looks like a, just a tube, a funnel with a light on the end of it. Kind of, you don't really see the details much. At least we couldn't in the print we were watching, but the light on the end looks kind of cool. And yeah. turns out because it, it's recessed inside this tube a little bit. Right. Turns out what that was, according to Jimmy, was just from back then, whatever car they got it from was a car headlight. <laughs> hooked up to a battery and with a red filter over the front of it. And, of course, they had some, some other thing, over a mesh or something over the front of it. Yeah. But it works. That's you know, cool. It looks cool. Now, the problem with it, though, in the story-wise, is when they get trapped in that cave-in, and they're like, we don't have time to dig out. The charges are going to go off. And David is like, we can get out with this. And he brings the heat ray, and they get out there, and the Army general says, do you know how to use this? He says, yeah. He says, help him. And he's holding it, and David uses the heat ray. David wouldn't know how to use the heat ray. Well, why No time not? on film that we have seen. Has anytime he the heat ray is used, he's not in the same scene. He's yeah. not in the same room anywhere. But he's a scientist kid. That's true. But for the shorthand of the movie, he is never in, the, in a scene that <laughs> the heat ray is being used, so he's never seen it used. It does not matter. He, would not, he wouldn't know any more than those guys would. But if it's his know. dream... That's the key right there. <laughs> That's another thing that leads you to think that it's he is dreaming because one, why would he know? What he knows how to use the heat ray. Two, the adults let him stay around. Yeah, in every dangerous situation they're in, mm-hmm. where in any other film or any in real life or whatever, they'd go, okay, take the child take, away, take him to home. Safety. You know, well, you um, can't take him home. There's nobody there. Yeah, but or take him yeah, to social services or, or back to the police station right. or whatever. Or stay in the car. <laughs> but this, he's right in the thick of it, right there with the army guys, and they're listening to everything he has to say. And and the whole thing is instigated by what he says, them taking his word for it. Yeah. Where in a lot of movies since then or nowadays, it's like there's all that cynical, oh, you're just a kid, you don't know what you're talking about. And the kids are pleading with somebody. And this is like, it doesn't have much of that. Mm-hmm. And then people start to listen to him and it gets the ball rolling. You know? Yeah. One of the cool things about this movie, too, is that it starts off, boom. Right after the credits. There's no slow burn. There's no build. Nope. Immediately. It's immediately. Saucer. The parents are going to bed. He's looking at constellations. The parents come in and say, go to bed. He goes to bed. A couple seconds later, he hears a loud noise and gets up and looks and sees the saucer. And boom, there we go. We got a story. Mm-hmm. And it's just that quick within the first five minutes of the movie. So it wastes no time getting going. And I, I do like that. I mean, yeah. there is something to be said for movies that do have that slow build and slow burn. Sure. If it's building some kind of tension or yeah. some kind of anticipation. I mean, I guess you could say that there's a little bit of, of anticipation and a little bit of slow burn to this in that you don't ever get to see the alien or the spaceship itself. I mean, not the spaceship. You don't get to see that until interiors. like the third reel or something. Right. But, until the end. But, yeah, but the movie, the story the rest just of it starts is going. going. Yeah. yeah. It starts going and keeps happening. moving the whole time. And it does move along at a pretty good pace. The only time it does slow down, I think, is when they get to the observatory. Yeah, that's a little bit and slow. And then that extra scene that was added for the UK version. If you watch the UK version, that is a little long, that that observatory scene. That kind of drags, drags a little bit. But the rest mm-hmm. of it just keeps moving, I think, at a pretty good uh, pace. Yep. <laughs> you thought it was going to say pretty good clip, didn't you? I did. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll slip that in there somewhere. 
Uh, another interesting thing, a couple of things I found out when looking up some information is a lot of the actions shots with the mutants <laughs> and the humans or the uh, the um, army guys or whatever mm-hmm. when they have to interact, there were midgets used for the humans because there were only two guys that played mutants that were like one was eight one and one was seven six or something like that. Wow. The rest of them that are running around are just like anywhere between five one and six foot six or something like that, you know, average size guys. Okay. So, so they used midgets to make them look taller, you know. Huh. And one of the guys, the lead midget, the guy carrying the lead midget, lead Martian that was carrying David mm-hmm. was a guy named Locke Martin, who was, I, I think he was also a stuntman. But his big claim to fame is he also played Gort in oh. Day the Earth Stood Still. Nice. Yeah. Which, whew, talk about it, a beautiful sci-fi movie from oh, the 50s. Love that one. Yeah. But I thought that was kind of cool. He was like, hey, he's a Martian and he's Gort. Another thing that I found out about this that I did not know is the original idea was this was to be shot in 3D. And it you, it looks like it the way the credit titles are at the beginning. Yeah, but definitely. also, if you look at the way the set pieces are separated in a lot mm-hmm. of the scenes, mm-hmm. there is definitely a foreground and middle ground and stuff in the background. Oh, yeah. yeah the yeah. way he is, he the production design has made the set to be. Right. In a mm-hmm. lot in a lot of scenes. So it really would have worked as a 3D movie. But when before they started production, there were no 3D cameras available for them to use at the time because 3D was kicking in with stuff at that point. Right. You know. And oh, another interesting bit too is William Cameron Menzies, the director, had also done 12 notebooks of sketches, like storyboard sketches. Mm-hmm. Jimmy said he had them on the wall in one room, like covering the wall. And I got to go with that because Jimmy was there. Yeah. <laughs> this reading about the notebooks was I read online, which it could have been both. But anyway, and he said he had every scene planned out and drawn the right. way he wanted it to go. That's how this guy meticulous the director was in planning the mm-hmm. production. And a few days before shooting, all the stuff was stolen. All wow. the artwork was stolen. Oh, I remember him saying that. So yeah. he had to just go from his head of what he wanted to, had remembered how yeah. he wanted things shot. He did a damn good job. Yeah, definitely so. That's crazy. This is one I would I would definitely say if you haven't seen it in a long time or you have memories of it from seeing it a long time ago, go back and revisit it yeah. and with different eyes because it works on different levels. Yeah. And it's a fun little ride. It's not goofy fun where you put it on a party in the background and no. just have a ball. No, you need it's to watch it. It's definitely one you need to watch and see see the try to watch it through the eyes of the kid as him being all this weight on his shoulders from his parents and Nobody will believe him and then him trying to get his parents back and then look through it as, you know, is it a dream right. or it is a dream Yeah, and find the clues that it's a dream as it goes on. Yeah. It's really cool to, to watch it like that. You can look at it just on the surface level that no, it's not. It's just a straight ahead science fiction picture, especially if you watch the British version. Right. And it's not a dream and it just all happens and it's like, they, you know, the, hey, they listen to the kid because they're not assholes and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, they, they're and they win it. the day. That's you know? right. Uh, so it works, you know, all kinds of ways. Now, I did see there's like technically like four different versions of it and maybe more. Okay. I well, I four. only know two. And I'm doing a little research. Find out this guy wrote this nice essay and I should have remembered his name. But yes, you can you look should. it up. You can Google it and find it. Uh, this two-part essay on this movie is really long, but he talks about one of the first times he saw it on TV, and he had the year, like 89 or whatever, something like that. It was, I don't know if it was the British version, or it was it was the English version, 
but they had the pad to get a two hour running time with mm-hmm. commercials. Yeah. And had the observatory extra footage put in it. Yeah. But it had the dream ending. Okay. So and so there's a couple there's another version that has something like that too, where they just re edited, took out right. some or added some of the other stuff for running time stuff. But that's that's just some people screwing with it. That's not mm-hmm. an actual refilmed, you yeah. know, more footage or something. As far as I know, it's readily available, I think. I haven't looked it up on the Amazon there. So I'm 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 guessing it's still in print. Maybe a Blu-ray copy is out there, which would be really neat to see. Because now we have two different copies. Mm-hmm. And we watched the one I've had for a long time, which I got at a convention bootleg years ago. And it was okay. But then we popped in the copy we showed at the Nostalgia Fest, which mm-hmm. somebody had just burned to a disc for, for and gave to my dad. Mm-hmm. And turns out that's the UK copy. Okay. Okay. But we popped that in because we wanted to see the UK scenes. And it was a much brighter copy. It, it was like night and day from what we were watching yeah, on this. I didn't know prettier. my copy that we were watching was that dim, that dark. Yeah. Until we put in this. So now it's like, okay, now I want to go back and watch this again because <laughs> the scenes are brighter and you see things better. Yeah. So that leads me to think there is a copy available now. Yeah, probably is. So check Amazon and uh, get your copy if you can. For all I know, it's on YouTube. I don't and know. I th- it is on YouTube, I think. And you can watch it there, but I don't know the quality. I haven't right. checked that out. But it's a great film to watch. It's a lot of fun. I don't it's, really remember a whole lot about the music. I remember it it's okay. not being inappropriate. No, no, it's good. It it fits the scenes. It does its job. It's nothing nothing you're going to remember. Yeah, exactly. But it it works in the suspense and it works in the action. Okay. You know, it, and it doesn't take you out of it. Now, unlike I went to the Narrow the other night to watch the 4K restoration of the original Evil Dead. Not Evil Dead 2, but mm-hmm. the first Evil Dead. Right which I could not remember seeing. I know I've seen it before. I probably rented it back in the VHS days, but I don't remember much about it. Mm-hmm. So I went to see it, and it was supposed to have an all-new score put to it. I don't okay. know why, right? but it was. I'm like, that was a big selling point people want to see. And the place, it was a good crowd, right. big crowd. Yeah, There were a lot of moments in it that were unintentionally funny that people were laughing out loud that was funny because it was a low-budget f- movie filmed on 16 millimeter. Yeah. And some of the dialogue was really bad in some <laughs> spots. And the movie should be called, actually, Evil Dead or Bad Decisions in the Woods. Because <laughs> they make bad decisions left or right and everything. But anyway, I digress. The score they redid for that, mm-hmm. throughout most of the movie was okay, but in a lot of places it felt out of place. Really? Yeah, and especially the beginning. It was really heavy-handed at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like like they were putting in your face, here's the new score! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was just was, it was really loud, which... Hmm isn't usually a problem, but it just, some of it to me, especially the first, first half of the movie, first 30 minutes, it didn't fit the movie. You could tell it was done later. Hmm. It didn't. And it was somebody trying to do an orchestral score that had heard about orchestral scores. That's, That's the only way I can think to describe it. There's a lot of heavy violin work that just didn't work for me in certain scenes. Most of it was okay. Towards the end, it was okay. It was, it was pulled back a little bit, but the beginning, it was just like, no, this is somebody trying to make something look better than it is by putting this. <laughs> it just didn't work. But getting back to Invaders from Mars, whoever did that, this soundtrack knew what they were doing because it wasn't overdone. Like I said, it wasn't memorable, mm-hmm. but it did its job. And I think it it, it worked building suspense and, and worked with the action. And, you know, it was it was good. It was nice. Cool. I can't think of much else to say about that other than... Gee, 
watch yeah, it. Watch it. Watch this movie. It's, it's a lot of fun, and it works. Like I, I repeat myself, it works on different levels. So, agreed. Two thumbs up. Indeed. Well, the only thing we have left to do is Planet of the Apes. Yes, we have to play the Planet of the Apes game, which we. I don't know if we played the last episode. We didn't. Um, and we probably won't play on the next episode because coming up more than likely the next episode is going to be a roundtable uh, discussion. Probably. Probably. Maybe. Depending on if we get another podcast done before we go. Yeah. We'll see. Either the next episode or or the one after that. Anyway, we're going on vacation for Thanksgiving to, to a cabin, cabin in, in the, the woods. woods in Luray, Virginia <laughs> with Tony and Sam and Jen and Kim. And me and Phyllis and Tony and Sam and I are going to sit around the table and talk about something. I think we know what we're going to talk about, but I'm not going to reveal that yet. But uh, it should be a lot of fun. And that those guys are always fun to sit around and talk with about all this kind of cool stuff. So, Indeed. But we may get another one in before then. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so we'll see. But anyway, so the Planet of the Apes game is Clayton and I discovered many, many years ago. My buddy Clayton lives in Georgia and I left me some years ago, moved away. We discovered that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes, much like the what Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yep. But we discovered this long before that game came out, and we can link anything back to Planet of the Apes. And to prove this point, Phyllis has me play this game almost every episode at the end of the episode, taking something from the movie and relating it back to Planet of the Apes. So I'm going to do my best. Well, okay. I think with this one, we are obligated to use Jimmy Hunt. Okay, Jimmy Hunt. Uh, let me think just a second. Jimmy Hunt. Oh. What do you got? Okay. Jimmy Hunt was in Cheaper by the Dozen. He was? 1950. Okay. With Myrna Loy. Myrna Loy was in Airport 75 with Charlton Heston. (laughs) I do not know this film. Airport 75? Of course you do. No, I don't. Yeah, Chuck Heston was the pilot. I don't remember watching it. It's one of the ones that airplane was foofing. Was it? Yeah. I have never seen it. I think that was that might be the first one, maybe. Well, I am happy that you got there, but I have not seen Airport 75. Good for you. Two steps. <laughs> Probably one of the shortest ones. Good job. Well, once again, you have proven the world does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And if you disbelieve me or anything else that we... We've said, or you like the podcast, uh, drop us a line at uh, on the Phantasmo After Dark Facebook page. Make a comment, say something cool, or tell us to shut the hell up if you don't like it. Or drop us a line at the Phantasmo After Dark email, which is phantasmoad at gmail.com. That's phantasmoad at gmail.com. Uh, but also check out the Facebook page because I'm going to be posting the trailer for this movie. Lots of pictures from the film, maybe some behind-the-scenes pictures, and a couple pictures from the film festival of Jimmy Now talking before the uh, the movie and stuff like that. So Indeed. Check it out, won't you? Yes, please. All right, I think that's about it for me. How about you? That's it. All right, well, until next time, thanks for listening, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.